0: Welcome to Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast, where we will help you eliminate the noise and focus on the information and inspiration that you need to transform your business, impact supply chain success, and enable you to replace risky inventory with valuable insights. Join your Tech Talk host, Corinne Bursa, the 2020 Supply Chain Pro to Know of the Year. With more than 25 years of supply chain and technology expertise and the scars to prove it, Corinne has the heart of a teacher and has helped nearly 1,000 customers transform their businesses and tell their success stories. Join the conversation, share your insights, and learn how to harness technology innovations to drive tangible business results. Buckle up. It's time for Tech Talk. Powered. Supply chain now.
1: Okay, welcome, supply chain movers and shakers. Corinne Bursa here, your host for Tech Talk, the digital supply chain podcast. You know, it has been a crazy year, an unprecedented year, disastrous year, a disruptive year, a challenging year. A resilient year, maybe a little inspiring as well. You choose the adjective that's right for your situation. And you may have to look at what day it is on the calendar to decide. But if you and your supply chain team are still standing, I want you to pat yourself on the back because you've done it. You're making it through and you are dealing with unprecedented volatility and simply surviving in the midst of so many disruptions, so many economic challenges, personal challenges, health challenges, educational challenges, is quite an achievement. Congratulations. In fact, because of your hard work, we are also seeing a record number of publicly held companies that are reporting not only record earnings, but record profitability. And why, you may ask? Well. It's all got to do with you. It's all about supply chain performance. So they are actually thriving in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this disruption. And once again, supply chain performance is on center stage, just where it belongs. And our host, our, our host I'm so used to introducing him as our host. <laughs> our guest today here on Tech Talk is the one and only Mr. Greg White. And Greg, thanks for joining us today.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. That was quite the lead in. Uh, yeah, you're well, right. It has been an incredible challenge for everybody. And I think the industry at large has really stepped up, right?
1: It really has. And you know, this past year for me has been one where I've made new connections. I've gained some new perspective. I joined the Supply Chain Now team, got to know you, got to know our audience a little bit, and it has really been just a lot of fun. Um, A lot of fun to put our brains together and think about kind of the next moves and where the industry is going and I appreciate our audience, but I also want our audience to know that their inspiration may be right around the corner Greg. People find it hard to believe. But here you and I have been in the supply chain for what? What do we say? I think we've capped it, right?
2: More than two decades. More That's than two our decades. limit, right? Just, and... just
1: right around two decades somewhere. Right. Um, Since
2: it's just the two of us, we can say well more than two decades.
1: <laughs> we started as young children. But anyway, we have been not only in the same industry, but in the same city in Atlanta, in supply chain city. Right. And Greg and I did not know each other before last year. Greg, we met in March of 2020.
2: Wow, is that yes. right? It seems that's like right. we've known each other longer. I you know. know, but yeah, I, I knew, I knew that it was relatively recently. But man, that's is that crazy? It. it is. I mean, because you know, I've I've been in Atlanta since the mid 90s. And I think I've worked at two different companies that arguably competed with yours, or at least were, you know, was in kind of an adjacent space in, yep. in the industry, right? So stunning. It is. It's, it's
1: really it. hard to believe. And I'm so thankful I got to to meet you through Scott Luton and through Supply yeah. Team Now. A and great connector. Um, he's a great connector, isn't he? But, but Greg, you have been at the center of so many technology innovations around supply chain. You're, you're currently, your resume is very long right now, so you're going to have to help me out. But I see you as the host of Tequila Sunrise, right. which is a podcast that, that you have launched to talk about technology and innovation and helping companies that are hitting some of those inflection points. You're also co-host of Supply Chain Now, co-host of The Buzz. And you've got this whole other life in the area of supply chain technology as well. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing day in and day out.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, so uh, I exited a company that I founded called Blue Ridge in 2018, 2018, and then I went on to work for a company called Curo that some friends of mine in the industry realized need some help. Needed to kind of level up uh, their performance and was there for just about a year and a half, and we managed to make that company valuable. It was not your traditional kind of exit, but we got good value uh, for the uh, for the founders and for the original investors. And actually, that company is still operating and may get another exit um, mm. again. So, but after that, after after I left Curo, then I started taking board seats and advisory roles. So I work with a, I've worked with a number of companies, particularly in the, in the Atlanta area and particularly in supply chain tech. So I've worked with a company called Yards, uh, which is a construction tech company. I'm currently working with Verison, who is hopefully soon to be a unicorn, an Atlanta unicorn that's in, in indirect and direct materials management and data harmonization a term I had to learn, by the way, Corinne. And yeah, last but not least, in terms of tech companies, I'm working with a company called Flourish, which is in the cannabis supply chain space, which is fun. It's a really, really interesting space. And uh, there, anyway, there's more I can tell you about that. And then I also work with a number of investment-based firms as well. So I'm a venture partner at Kubera Venture Capital, which is a an early stage pre-seed, seed, and A-round investor in the area that i focus on of course is supply chain but we invest in industry 4.0 and and that sort of thing and uh future of work and a, a couple of other just really innovative areas and we've got a really great cross-section of uh investors there and then i work with peak span capital which is a growth equity kind of the next tier up in investment and i'm what's called a sector expert so mm-hmm. When they find a chain someone, sector expert, yes, yeah, yes. right. Yeah, I'm very I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> right. But when they find a company, I help them evaluate it. I may uh, consult or advise with the founders or even CEO there and, um, you know, help them understand what's going on in the supply chain space. And then I also work with an investment bank called Clarity Capital Advisors. An old friend of mine named Steve Keaveny, who was instrumental in helping me get funding for a couple of my companies. Mm and i guess that's kind of a give back though um steve still offers way more value to me than i ever have to him but yeah that's what i do i'm trying to keep my hand in a number of these companies may even may even have another venture up my sleeve so you know we'll have to see we can talk about what it takes to really run a venture if you want but
1: yeah yeah um, well i i do think you've got lots of things up your sleeve. So um, I think we're going to leave it there. There's always a few surprises and a few um, kind of interesting twists, I think. Um, And one thing that I appreciate so much, Greg, is that you bring this wealth of expertise in supply chain. I mean, you've got hands-on supply chain expertise early in your career. Right. And you've been able to apply that to solve just a number of different business opportunities, business challenges. Um, But one thing I really like is that you're very good at putting yourself in the seat of the customer and understanding what that supply chain practitioner needs or that supply chain executive needs in order to operate with greater visibility or Mm -hmm. more flexibility or more resilience. And, And I think that that is an important skill. I can see where in these investment sectors that that's highly valued as a part of the equation as well. So tell me one thing, how did you get started with supply chain now? How did you get engaged in the process? Because you're such a natural in talking through some of the latest opportunities and challenges.
2: So it all started with the Georgia Logistics Summit. So I just Worked with Sandy Lake and a number of the folks at, at um, Georgia Centers for Innovation, which is a governmental agency. And they had this Georgia Logistics Summit at Modex every year. And I participated in that one year. And I just thought I just wanted to be a part of guiding that and helping to shape that. And uh, they were gracious enough to allow me to be on their executive board. I met a ton of really great people John Haber, obviously, Scott Luton gosh I can't even, can't even name name them all oh well enrique alvarez from oh, yeah. logistics yeah. met him there and it was just a great opportunity because i had been really really heads down in my personal in my businesses until that point and i finally had kind of lifted my head up and and decided to see who else was out there doing supply chain and that's how i met scott well that's how i really got engaged with scott i'd actually been a guest on the show in 2016 and 2017, I believe, on what was then Supply Chain Now Radio, met him. And it was just such a great voice for a small company like ours that had virtually no voice in, in the industry, as you know, uh, you know, with agility, um, mm-hmm. You guys had way more voice than we did, but we were always struggling for attention above SAP and JDA and all the other acronyms that are out there you know, taking the air out of the room with, with marketing. So it was a great opportunity to present our point of view. Scott asked me to first advise, which was what I was doing anyway. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And, and then I, you know, I got involved behind the mic, which was, you know, such a kick. And he makes it so easy as we've all experienced. Anyone who's been on supply chain now has experienced just how professional he is, how smooth he, he is, and how easy he makes it for people just to be who they are behind the mic, and really share their gifts in the in and with the industry. So,
1: yeah, I I really agree, and and I think you and Scott paired together are just a great kind of a, a great anchor set, if you will, um, that um, your skill sets and expertise complement each other so well that I, I think that there's magic there. So congratulations on, on yeah, a, kind you. of finding that that niche, that opportunity and being a reason for the growth that supply chain now has seen over these past two years. I mean, it's really um, growing and expanding and I feel honored to be a part of it, a small part, but a part of the team and, uh, and sharing some of the exciting things that are happening in uh, the digital supply chain sector.
2: I think I really think that everybody is a big part of it. I mean, especially you, because you can give us, you can give us obviously the planning perspective, which both you and I come from, you're much better at planning at the planning Mm -hmm. discipline than I am, but also the marketing perspective. Like you said, you understand the you understand the chief supply chain officers and the companies that are trying to get value, Mm -hmm. value there. And you know what you're doing with tech talk, I think is really, really valuable to help people understand how they can utilize tech to change their business. It's what you opened with, right? Technology, not just the people of supply chain, but the technology of supply chain is a great leverage point for companies to create the kind of opportunity and profit and resiliency that you were talking about when we kicked off. And I think that's that's such an important part of it. And then we've got Kevin L. Jackson Mm -hmm. with digital transformers and digital transformation is a huge part of supply chain and vice versa, Kelly. With Kelly Barner. Yeah. Yeah. Procurement. procurement. Yeah. Procurement's not all about supply chain, but there are a lot of aspects of it that apply to supply chain and also vice versa. And then of course, Chris with supply chain is boring, (laughs) which is somehow anything but.
1: It is. I know. know. Uh,
2: But I love the irony of that. And Scott, who none of us could do anywhere near as much um, producing as and content as he does. he's got so many shows, veteran voices, which is a great give back the, this week in business history, uh, the buzz, all of the live streams, I think essentially all of the live streams uh, Scott participates in or at least helps produce. he's the Jason Hoke of supply chain content with me. so absolutely, um,
1: absolutely. How, well, let's he talk knows how, many, stuff works. Like, <laughs> how stuff works how supply chain works right. So let let's focus for just a minute on Tequila Sunrise. Yeah, and really, what you're looking to to bring to the industry with that particular program, because you've done some interesting things that that some of our listeners may not be aware of that are really innovative and interesting, a little different. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about that for just a moment.
2: Sure. I, I, to me, Tequila Sunrise, and you know, this is it's an important distinction because we both have tech in the names mm. of our shows but tequila sunrise is more about the relationship and the confluence of founders and executives and high growth technology supply chain tech companies and their teams and shareholders and of course stakeholders in terms of their their clients how do you build and how do you fund and how do you grow a really strong a really powerful supply chain technology company and it is more complex than just about any industry out there because Supply chain touches, as you were just talking about, supply chain touches so many things and so many aspects of business touch supply chain. And it has so many variables. In fact, one of my guests who who, uh, Jack Freeman from Peakspan Capital, sorry, from Peakspan Capital said he loves supply chain because it requires combinatorial analytics.
1: Combinatorial analytics.
2: Say that three times fast. There, you know, the the essence of combinatorial analytics is that there are a ton of inputs, which create a ton of mul- of scenario potential scenarios, and a ton of of potential outcomes mm-hmm. as well. And supply chain is so it, it requires a, the ability to manage all of those inputs, all of the potential solutions, and all of the potential outcomes to remove risk and and cost uh, from the supply chain, right? And I think that's one of the, you know, that's one of the things that makes it such a difficult thing, as you have have to have experienced. I know we've talked about this a little bit, at least a little bit. It is difficult to market supply chain, be- because there is so much to the business. And sometimes you can share too much. Anyway, I'm about to share too much. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so it, I, I think that the complexity of that is something that I want to communicate to founders, because it's not something You can just come out of school and do it's something you have to understand a bit about the industry to be able to tackle it and i think we've seen a lot of a lot of companies that could have performed a lot better if they had understand the broader context of supply Mm -hmm. chain
1: yeah it's so interesting because there are so many disciplines within supply chain you know i spend a lot of time talking about the big picture and right. making big strategic decisions and connecting those to the tactical and operational things that happen each and every day.
0: yeah,
1: but it's amazing to me how much of the supply chain is still managed on spreadsheets. It's scary. It's frightening. I mean, some of the biggest global brands are still managing some hundred million dollar aspects of their business right in fragile spreadsheets yeah. and disconnected processes. And so it's so exciting to see the innovation in the industry and kind of see how you're bringing or shedding a little light on it with Tequila Sunrise. And I know that you don't only look at startups. You've interviewed, um, you know, John Sicard with Canaxis, which is a publicly held specialist in the supply chain space as well. So publicly held businesses, but the majority has been around some of these innovations, these new startups, these new thinking, these cloud native applications that are coming to the market. And framing that up can be really hard. You know, there's a a couple of things as a a practitioner, I want the latest and greatest and most innovative technology. I want to know that the investment I'm making today is a foundation, my company Is going to be able to grow with over the next five or 10 years. So I want that supplier, that vendor, that new innovator to be financially viable, right? And funding is a part of that, you know, otherwise we're, we're limited to some large, heavy, slow moving, Solutions that don't offer that agility, or don't allow a mid-sized company or a fast-growth company to get that advantage in the marketplace.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's one of the things that even the most knowledgeable analysts in the industry, the folks at Gartner, Laura Cesare and mm-hmm. others, they have struggled, you know, to push against the status quo because you know, so many of the big established players use old and outdated techniques and move so slowly towards these innovations. And frankly, that's the nature of innovation. You can't be both an industry leader and a disruptor. Mm. I I mean, there are probably people that would argue against that and they're surely welcome to their opinion. They're just wrong. And- (laughs)
1: there you have it ladies and gentlemen oh, that's right straight from the horse's mouth they're just
2: wrong i'm glad you said mouth um it, <laughs> but but you know that innovation is what keeps this industry moving forward and and boy right. howdy did we see the upshot of things like manual processes and spreadsheet analysis and old and outdated technologies when COVID hit right if we if we never thought we would see those kind of issues in in this industry, we certainly did, right? Mm-hmm. That that decreased agility and decreased the capability of companies to respond, to plan as well as they could, of course, but I think what was really hurt was the responsiveness and the resi- resiliency.
1: Yeah, uh, I, lots I, of companies I have to agree yeah I, I have to agree, right? because the minute you the minute you finish the plan, the plan is outdated. Right. So you've got to continually sense and replan and continually revise what those plans are based on the latest available data. and it's it's so interesting because right now the research shows that sixty percent of supply chains have been orchestrated or designed around one thing. And that's cost efficiency, right? That is not agility. That is not resilience. And I think that number, that 60%, I think that that is underestimated. I think that far more supply chains have that. That's their one lever, right? Is how can I do the same thing in a predictable manner and deliver a quality product? But friends, the market has changed. We need agility. We need faster planning cycles. Um, And and I know that this is something that you've been talking about really for years when you think of even simple things like demand planning and and the fact that you're not planning a product, you're planning what?
0: You're
2: planning the the consumer, right? Yeah. Uh, You know, there are two fatal flaws that have existed for literally centuries in supply chain, and that is largely both of those are largely dependent on the fact that the data available when supply chains were invented, right? Which is, <laughs> which, yeah, we I'm, don't I'm not going to go up. all the way back to right. cave dweller days, but the data was relatively rudimentary. Right. And so we forecast the item when really what we we need to forecast is the consumer, whoever consumes that item. Because, you know, there are items sitting behind me here and they've done exactly what every single other item does. Nothing. They wait. They wait for a consumer to act on them. One of those back there. Let's see. There it is. That's a box of cereal. Is it? Um, Yeah. So you both have to like cereal and like (laughs) Patrick Mahomes to want that. So you you have to understand that. Who likes cereal and who loves Patrick Mahomes? This guy. (laughs) So that's one of the fatal flaws. And the other is the one that is, I think you and I have fought against our entire careers. And that is that supply chain is a cost saving exercise. It is not. It has been treated as such. It's been driven as such. It's been accepted uh, by practitioners in supply chain because their bosses in the rest of the business have made it such. Mm -hmm. But the truth is supply chain is a risk balancing exercise. Cost is just one of the risks. Of, of supply chain, stockouts, failing to, failing to provide the goods to the consumer, your consumer, that's one of the risks, right? It, sustainability impact mm-hmm. and human rights impact, also a risk, brand equity. Brand is a equity risk.
1: has become a really, really big aspect of it.
2: Yeah, if you can't deliver, I mean, you know, we heard it said, it was said by, a, by someone who runs a, a philanthropy, but no product, no program. So, you know, people come to you for one thing and that's for you to deliver what they want. And you have to be able to do that. And if you focus solely on cost, you simply cannot do that because at some point those get to cross purposes. So you have to shift your mind to thinking to thinking about supply chain as a risk balancing exercise and cost just one of those.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, I love that perspective. I I frame it that way, but I usually talk about it in the context of risk and reward. I'm the eternal optimist, right? About new opportunity, new innovation, but it's just that. I mean, your inventory investments, your supply chain capabilities become that fulcrum or that balancing point that's going to align your ability to innovate, produce, and move goods to market at just the right time, right? Mm -hmm. Not too soon and not too late. And it's a big challenge. It's complex. And we are not trying to to minimize the complexity that's there or the innovation that comes through the people in your organizations who know how to get it done. What we're trying to do is, is really advocate that allow technology to do the hard, repetitive stuff so that you can use your brain cells to do the creative and to think differently, right? And engage a little different and really harness that new opportunity or maybe differentiation for your business over a competitor's business. So Greg, let's kind of talk a little bit about tech companies and either the companies or the types of companies that you advise or those that you highlight on on Tequila Sunrise. When, When you're working with companies that are hitting these inflection points, right? What types of things, what conversations are you able to shed some light on for either a technology founder or maybe bringing in the perspective of a broader industry or how that technology might be able to be leveraged to solve some new, some new opportunities?
2: Well, I mean, you know, we can start with a company you might not think of Immediately as high growth, but that's Canaxis. I mean, that's a five billion dollar company, right? Five billion dollars in valuation. And yet the conversation I had with John Sicard was very it was very straightforward and it was very contrarian, frankly. And it's funny because when he and I were gearing up to have this discussion, of course, he's a CEO of a public company. So you do the preliminary discussions with his handlers present. He said you and I may have a disagreement on point X. And he shared his point of view. And I was like, wow, I'm actually amazed that you have that point of view as a public <laughs> $5 billion company, because it was a very contrarian and a very, right. uh, you know, he said technology is not the answer, right? Technology is the tool. Technology is not the solution to your problem. Technology is effectively, it's the hammer, right? That you learn how to swing that hammer effectively to build your to build your house or whatever. And it was it was a really refreshing discussion so innovation as opposed to disruption which we were talking about earlier innovation can come from anywhere and sometimes that anywhere is just a new perspective on how to how to tackle supply chain problems so that's a that's one of the places i love to go is to find companies that are innovatively tackling supply chain problems innovative industries like flourish with the cannabis industry which I will argue, is a model for the future broader supply chain and broader commerce because of the the compliance requirements and Mm -hmm. the sustainability initiatives and the human rights issues that are inherent in that industry. And things like provenance that they have to they have to track by law, all of those things can be used in the broader supply chain, and I see it as a great microcosm. Of broader commerce in the future, maybe 20 years in the future, I don't know. But but definitely there is a lot that we can learn from this nascent industry mm. and brilliant minds, uh, you know, even investors, right? So Ben Gordon, who's with Cambridge Capital, a one of the original supply chain-focused investors in the industry. His understanding of the industry and his understanding of how companies make money in the industry and create value not just for their customers, but for their shareholders in the Mm -hmm. industry. That is, that was really inspiring. I mean, there are a ton of people, you know, people like you who know how to market this stuff, which we talked about earlier is really hard to do. I mean, it's great to meet some of the uh, amazing minds in, in the industry and and amazing minds from outside the industry or who have lent their expertise from outside the industry to supply chain and. You know, and yet the other thing that I I really feel compelled to focus on is to take the naivete that often exists in a founder and mm-hmm. help them leverage that naivete into a good business. So one of the episodes that I did is seven things you need to do to present your company in three minutes. And let me right. tell you,
1: three minutes is hard.
2: It is. I, really. I will, hard.
1: I will tell you, as you know, as as a CMO with decades of experience being concise, brief, and memorable in three minutes to get your whole value proposition across is tough.
2: It is, it's it's virtually impossible, frankly, But but the truth is the exercise of distilling your company from your 20 minute pitch to your three minute pitch, it really forces you as a founder, as a leader of your company, to identify that which is the most important, most impactful, and as you said, the most interesting yep. that, that your company offers, and only that, right? So and to it describe you to just it in
1: terms, hype. right? Describe it in terms that somebody who's not a technologist is going to understand. Yeah. Right. What is the business problem being solved, and how are you going to make my life better? Yeah. Faster, stronger, whatever, whatever it might be. Now, Greg, this is really important. It, it, was this the basis or or the inspiration for the the take your shot format?
2: Yes. Well, so so the, tell us
1: what that is first. Yeah, of all.
2: maybe yeah. maybe it was a little bit uh, reversed. So take your okay. shot is a live stream that we do once a month where we give com- we give supply chain technology companies the opportunity to pitch for three minutes to. Uh, Venerable, venerable list of judges, people who are running
1: prestigious, right, prestigious list,
2: right? Um, Long term investors, people who are running their own tech companies that have yep. that are worth hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, people who are running tech technology companies and running physical logistics companies in the industry. So you've got three minutes to get your pitch across to these judges, some of whom might actually invest in your company, if that's what your ask is others that can at least give you a marketing perspective to say Mm -hmm. hey your message is not clear or it you know it could be clearer here wow it's stellar in this way but the idea was to get these companies in front of a live audience let them share their their hopes and dreams in three minutes and then hear from these experts how they could be better or what was really good about their pitch or discussion or what was unclear as you know as we just talked about and that really Begat the seven things you must do in three minutes video, as I've told several entrepreneurs since that. it takes seventeen minutes to tell you the seven things that you need to say <laughs> in three minutes to get your business point across so and
1: and to do it with passion right to yeah. to do it in a natural conversational way. it is an excellent, excellent skill to develop, and I really you know when you introduce that i i that was fantastic for for those of you that are listening today that haven't had the chance go back and listen to some of the past events because it it will really open your eyes to some of those challenges in, in the marketplace in articulating that value proposition but it's almost like a microcosm of shark tank applied to supply chain and innovative businesses that are up and coming in the marketplace
2: it is, and we've even got our own version of Mr. Wonderful, though he's much nicer than Kevin or Weary or whatever that guy's name is. But he, when you come on that show, it's just like walking in to an investor and pitching your company. You're going to get some tough questions. You're going to get some, you know, some thoughtful stares. You're going to get some, you know, side, right. side eyes and things like that. If people don't get it, they're going to let you know. And it's probably one of the most powerful things you can do to improve your pitch for your company is to hear not just affirmation, but real hard core evaluation of it. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we're still learning with that. I mean, we had one show that went over an hour and a half because we <laughs> let the judges get a little bit out of, out of control in terms of, of sharing, but they really wanted to improve these companies, businesses. And that I think that's the most important thing. Look, the important thing is, as as a founder, is to understand that everyone wants you to exceed. Everyone wants to invest in your business, but you've still got to earn it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I mean, I think the important thing that I've seen is, and we're, what we hope to do in large part with Take Your Shot is, we want people to recognize and build great businesses, yeah. not great pitches. And it's easy to pitch. A great business.
1: Say that again.
2: (laughs) It's It's easy. Easy to pitch a great business. It really is. I mean one of the questions you'll never hear me or any of that any of the investors that I work with, you'll never hear me ask what's your exit. Because I what we want to see is you build a great business. And if you build a great business, the exit will become apparent. Right? It could be going public, it could be acquiring by a Private equity group; it could be acquired by a strategic, even mm-hmm. a competitor or or complementary company. There are all kinds of ways to exit, but the truth is, it has to be a good business. A business has to be built to serve the consumer, not serve the investor. By serving your customer first, you will inherently serve all of your shareholders.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, Greg. When you think about this, and and just I remind our audience that. That, that you've been through this process on a personal level. So you, you've got, you know, you've got the, the bruises and bumps and scars yeah. uh, to prove it. You've been on the other side of the table leading a team and driving innovation and new products in the industry. So I think it's really valuable that you're able to take that kind of hard-earned experience and turn it around and look at ways that you can help others right? Maybe avoid some of the landmines or, or have fewer scars in the process. But when you go through this, Greg, what is the, what do you think is the most misunderstood aspect of a tech startup company? Like where do they lose their way or, you know, kind of that big aha moment when you're able to, you know, start working with someone new?
2: Most misunderstood is understanding your market. That is the most misunderstood thing. Uh, so many companies project their solution on the market's needs rather than assess the market's needs and build their solution.
0: I've right. done it
2: for, and, and I've been fortunate and unfortunate. And by the way, all of the, all of the tips that I give are as much from, from screwing up as they are from doing things right. Hey, you, you some of my learn. best
1: lessons are from are, are from failures. They right? are uh, when things go wrong, or you know you're you're forced to think differently. I, I think that's driven most of the innovation I've seen.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you you learn a lot more when you fail than when you succeed. All you do is affirm yourself when you succeed, right? Mm-hmm. You don't self evaluate or become introspective as you do when you fail. So. But but I think that's the biggest thing I've seen it over and over again. And Frank, frankly, a friend of mine named Shane Matthews, who is the he works at ATDC, the Atlanta Technology Development Center, the, the Georgia Tech Incubator in mm-hmm. Wichita. He or Wichita, Atlanta. Uh,
1: the Georgia Tech Wichita. Wow. Tech, Wichita. <laughs> that, um, that's a merger I hadn't heard about yet. Yeah. But, uh, you I guarantee you Wichita does, does not come out on the top from, of that.
2: <laughs> But Shane was involved with Super Soaker. They understood oh. their market really well. they understood you know they understood it and they built products that that met that market need and desire and he is a market research hawk, and that's what he that's what I learned from him was you can't research your market enough, mm-hmm. and you almost have to think of it you have to almost strip away all of your your knowledge of an industry or of a solution or what you perceive to be the market's need and ask about it. You have to get into the market and ask about it. And it's hard to do uh, because it's, it's costly. It's costly in terms of time. It's costly in terms of money because you, there, there are right ways to do it. You have to ask the right questions. You have to ask them in the right way so that they're not simply affirming your biases. You have to really approach it the right way. And uh, and that is clearly the most misunderstood aspect of startups.
1: Yeah, I, I really have to agree with you there um, from the perspective of, you know, even in my career, I have seen where the best technology does not win. Right. Um, you know, the the best, you know, most elegantly designed, fastest, you know, gives more precision, whatever it might be. That alone is not enough to win business, right? It's the total package. What problems yeah. are you solving? What is the outcome? How does this help um, remove challenges or provide a unique value proposition uh,
0: mm-hmm. in the market
1: for your customer, whomever your customer might be? So I, I think that that's really um, valuable insight there.
2: Greg, I'm going to ask you- Yeah, when you say it like you, that, yeah. Ren, when you say it like that, it's- you realize it's not just a startup problem. I mean, we had the right. problem at Blue Ridge, you've had it at Legility. other Absolutely. companies have it now, you go in, you're a hammer seeking mm-hmm. a nail, right? Yes. And, and instead, you need to go in understanding where this customer stands, because a no is okay. A no that you don't fit is okay, because then you don't waste time trying to yep. put a square peg in a round hole, right? So that you know, that It is so powerful. And I think it's hard for companies to accept that it's hard for people to accept that, to say, you mean we're not for everybody, right?
1: Well, and, and I don't know about you, but if it's going to be a no, I'd like to get to know fast. I mean, I, I mean, don't, don't drag me on or, or leave me on for months and months and months. If it's a no, or as a buyer of technology solutions If you have reservations about a provider you're working with, just be open and candid with them because one, they may be able to address it and you may be able to take advantage of that innovation and look at ways to address whatever your concerns are. Number two, as a provider of technology in the marketplace, I want to know if I'm not a fit and then I want the open discussion as to why. Why is it not a fit? you know, what what about it does not drive a compelling business proposition for you? Because that gives me good data, back to your point, good research, good data, um, because obviously that supplier, that technology innovator thinks you're a good prospect, thinks that that they have, you know, uh, something that's going to offer your unique value proposition to your business. And if you're not seeing it, You know, that's a conversation worth having.
2: Yeah. Well, and also, what is it that 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 customer is looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Because you might go in there. It's hard not to. I've done it. It, You you might go in there thinking you're being open to their needs, but you're still projecting just enough that they're telling you a little bit of what you want to know. And another thing on that front, and this is a struggle for startups and established companies as well, is you know, if, if you're talking to someone who will string you along like that, you're not talking to the decision maker anyway, no decision maker wants to waste your time. or theirs, Right. So that's another thing that companies need to learn is, you know, learn when you are really talking to the decision maker and that it's tough to do. And I mean, and sometimes you, I mean, I've, like I said, I've been there, I've seen people. Sometimes you've got the guts to ask and sometimes you don't. Right?
1: Yep. So so I'm going to I'm going to ask you a tough question. As don't you worry. look at Tequila Sunrise, what is your favorite episode? This is like this is like picking a favorite child. <laughs> what is your, you know, your favorite episode? So if we've got a new listener that hasn't yeah. listened to Tequila Sunrise yet, where should they start?
2: So I've done about 50 episodes. So they're all flashing through my mind right now. I would say, I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm, can I pick three? I'll, I'll be okay. brief. John sure, Sicard, definitely John Sicard, though it, it's two episodes. I would, if you can only listen sure. to one, listen to the first one. Okay. Shannon Valancourt, who's the CEO of Rate Links and how he has, you know, as he and I talk about a little bit off off camera, it only took him 21 years to be an overnight success in the in the transportation that's how it usually happens. business. <laughs> right. It's more That's another thing that more people need to understand. And then I think the other one, because it's helpful and because I get such great response to it is the seven things to do in three minutes. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, because I didn't really think anyone would watch that. And I'm not sure that many people have watched it. I just felt compelled to offer that mm-hmm. to the marketplace. And it's gratifying when, when people are struggling to get their pitch down and I, or somebody I or somebody points them towards that and they're like, Oh my gosh, that was just epiphanal. And it, I have to tell you, that was more based on mine and others failings in, mm-hmm. in pitching than it really was successes so much. It's, it's a lot about what to do, and a lot about what not to do, but those are the ones that that really stand out for me. You have to listen to John Sicard. It's hard to believe, hard to believe that a public company CEO can be so bold and so contrarian. And it was a it was a really risky move, and but a strong move yeah. on on his part. And also to recognize that just like Shannon's Shannon Valancourt's his. Point of view that resonates through their entire organization. So you see the leadership there as well, not only strong opinion, but projecting that point of view, that distinct point of view, through their organization and using it to do better business for their for their clients. It's super powerful.
1: Well, Greg, this is this has been a blast for me. As you look forward, right, and, yeah. and I know there's a number of. Exciting things on the horizon, but as you look forward, either is there something coming with Tequila Sunrise or something you're seeing in the industry that you want us to keep our eyes open for?
2: I know you can't.
1: I know there are things you can't tell us. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. All that will be revealed soon enough. (laughs) But I I think the thing to keep our eye on is constant improvement. There, Mm -hmm. I, I use this term called the blessing of naivete, and that is. You you can't you want to constantly evaluate why we do things the way we do. And it, it is, as you said, um, with so many large companies, it is stunning, stunning mm-hmm. to me that companies, and particularly some of these big manufacturers, that are using they're using techniques that I as a retailer, retail practitioner of supply chain in the nineteen nineties, yep, just over two decades ago, we stopped doing that those decades ago. And that yep. to see that some of those ancient practices are still in play is concerning. So you have to always ask the question, why do we do it this way? And if the answer is, because we've always done it that way, think again.
1: Think again. Yeah, look, dig a little deeper. And I think also, you know, it's, it's important, especially if you are a large manufacturer or a, a business that has been established for decades, you do typically have some tribal knowledge and 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 the way things have been done you know for years and years that you inherited but the one number that just keeps coming back to me over and over again is the fact that baby boomers are leaving the marketplace and this number is from before covid but right. before covid so 18 months ago baby boomers were leaving the marketplace at something like 10,000 a day right a day 10,000 right. a day And that number has got to be higher today as a result of COVID and people just looking at, you know, life decisions and what what they want to do next. But my point there is more about the fact that as they exit the marketplace, they're taking a lot of that tribal knowledge with them. So ask the questions now, you know, ask the questions, understand why it got initiated that way. But ask it in a way also that is about, you know, efficiently completing or moving product to market based on real market demand. Um, so that you can maybe make some, you know, some new process changes, some new innovation, and stop doing maybe some time-consuming behaviors that are adding zero value to your business.
2: Yeah, that, that is a wealth of, of information leaving, and we need to capture that, right? I mean, if you think about new age technologies like ai Mm -hmm. right ai is not an overlord ai is a child and that child needs to be taught in order to do in order to do what it's designed to do and it needs a ton of data to do it and if we can capture that knowledge from these baby boomers who so many of whom were doing business before you even documented it much less much less systematized or automated it Right. They just know. I can't tell you the number of times I've asked people, how do you know? And they say, I just know. And it's because they have they have incorporated that knowledge over decades and decades. And it's just second nature for them. So we've got to extract that knowledge. Then we can apply it to the new incoming generations in Mm -hmm. in the workforce and also to these AI techniques where a lot of that can be that knowledge can be employed. But you're right. We are at great risk. Of losing a lot of incredible knowledge, yeah. It's okay, Boomer, is what we ought to be saying. It's okay. Tell us, right? <laughs> I, well, truthfully I mean, we need to respect the knowledge that is there. Absolutely,
1: right? um, absolutely.
0: We, certainly you know, as a
1: technology provider, one one of the aspects that was interesting for me to see, and this started probably three or four years ago as baby boomers were exiting so so a lot of baby boomers grew up with the technology that's that's um helping to manage the supply chains of global businesses today right so let's let's call it a 20 or a 30 year career trajectory and they grew up having to look under the covers and check the technology and and do right. a bake off and do these different things because the technology was brand new, enterprise systems were brand new early in their careers as well. And so that was a different way of engaging. And I think that today, as we have digital natives in the marketplace, as they, they are accustomed to interacting with software and looking for answers quickly and using things like natural language interfaces as a part of the way they engage with technology, these innovations are really cool. And have the opportunity to continue to evolve and change the way business happens. But we yeah. need to understand the mechanics and things like lead time and what does visibility mean? And you know these 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 words we <laughs> everyone wants
2: to know the answer to that one.
1: Right. That really presents an exciting opportunity. And so yeah. I love that you're, you know um advising a number of companies in different aspects of supply chain because I think that, that that's such a great place to be. and in supply chain itself, all aspects of supply chain, there's just so much opportunity. and it's an exciting time to to really um, make a difference in your companies, make a difference in the world, whether it's in you know reducing waste in the world or I, you brought up labor earlier as right. a, a part of of a constraint that's being managed, um, the type of labor, how much labor, uh, it is put into products as well, is just um, an interesting aspect of of looking at building your brand as an individual and a contributor, but also building the brand of your company and doing that in a sustainable and responsible fashion.
2: Supply chain has crossed that threshold from brute force, yep. to nuance and science, yep, right. I mean, the baby boomers that you talked about—they were the John Henrys of the of supply chain or of technology, right? They they might be able to drive the drive the spikes faster, but they were dead tired at the end, right? And and they did have to check the technology, and they did have to mm. see it through its evolution. Now that so much of that technology has evolved so far that you can you can trust that it's doing the right thing, and in fact. Technology will not displace jobs in the future in supply no, chain.
1: No, it's just changing them. It's making them more interesting, quite honestly.
2: And it's taking the jobs that no one else will. I mean, you know, the, the brute force jobs, the physical and brute force jobs in supply chain will be taken by robots. There aren't enough, and this ju- isn't just in supply chain. There aren't enough drivers in transportation. There aren't enough factory workers. There aren't enough people in in logistics facilities to move the goods. I was working with a company who's in the welding business that they expect 300,000 welding jobs to go unfulfilled by 2023. Oh, wow. And that number is increasing rapidly. It's 75,000 now that are unfulfilled. So people aren't going to take these brute force jobs, the jobs that I read in an article and have kind of captured this phrase the dark, the dirty, and the dangerous jobs, they will go to robotics. And then people will, as you alluded to earlier, they'll be able to do those things that humans are great at and computers mm-hmm. are terrible at. And that is make instantaneous life-saving or life-changing decisions with insufficient data, which which technology absolutely cannot do, including artificial intelligence, because yep. it has to learn, right? It has to learn for that specific circumstance in order right in order to use it whereas people can interpolate based on their other learnings that hey that thing i learned when i was seven years old that's valuable here in supply chain right so those kind of things will always be the realm of the human and that's where we will that's our only hope against the robot
1: (laughs) but that's where that's where
2: humans will evolve to in their role in supply chain
1: yeah Well, well, Greg, this has been a blast. Thanks for sharing some of your insights with us today. But I want to remind folks to connect, to build your network, and to connect certainly here in the Supply Chain Now community. But look in your backyard. Greg was right in my backyard, in my market, in my industry. We know tons of the same people, but we never had the chance to connect personally and get to know each other. And it has been such a privilege for me. To get to know greg and to work with the team at supply chain now and just really sharing ideas looking for inspiration and innovation and raising my supply chain iq so i hope today's episode has done that for our audience as well
2: likewise for me thank you it's it was great to know you i was actually only across the street at that really good thai restaurant by your corporate office and we never met
1: I know it's crazy. It's, it's really crazy, but uh, well, thank the, you very
2: much. I appreciate, I appreciate your time. And of course, everything you've done in the industry is fantastic and continue to do right. As you're helping companies to, I mean, you're out there, right?
1: Yeah. So oh yeah. Yeah. You're helping
2: Companies to improve.
1: It's a, it's a great supply chain is a great place to be. We, uh, we definitely have um, exciting things ahead in a number of different areas and uh, and an ability to take technology and solve real business problems and make a tangible impact on business performance and job satisfaction. So um, lots of good things ahead, I think. So for our audience on the topic of raising your supply chain IQ, I'm going to send you to supplychainnow.com. I want you to check out at least those three episodes that Greg mentioned. Greg, what were they again?
2: Uh, John Sicard. In fact, the title of it is A Violent Agreement.
1: Violent A- Agreement. Violent
2: Agreement. Because, you know, we were expecting an argument. <laughs> right? We were expecting an argument. And then Shannon Valancourt uh, with rate links, rate links. And then seven things you must do to pitch your company in three minutes.
1: And you know what? In that pitch your company in three minutes, I'm going to challenge everybody to listen to that because if you have an idea that you want to pitch within your company, a project you want to take on, an opportunity for innovation, those seven things are going to help you with that project, just like they would help a founder or CEO of a tech company to pitch their story as well. It's that good. It is, uh, it's It's oh, firepower. So thank uh, you. <laughs> take a listen to that. And while you're there at SupplyChainNow.com, please check out Tech Talk, that's T-E-K-T-O-K, and subscribe. Our goal is to help you eliminate the noise and focus on the inspiration and information you need to replace risky inventory with valuable insights. And we'll see you next time on Tech Talk, powered by Supply Chain Now.